Episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor, and my co-hosts are Devi Boy and the DJ. How are you going, Devi Boy? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Regretting uh, uni starting again very soon, but good for now. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have the uh, the the mom spaghetti vomiting and all that all that jazz going on. Uh, uni starting up pretty soon. I completely missed. If that was a reference, it went straight overhead. Uh, eight mile reference. Don't know who that is. I'm, I'm an uncultured. What was it Eight Miles? Eight Mile, the movie, Eminem. Yeah, never seen this. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. We begin this episode with me being an uncultured swine. Good games. Uh, when does what about you, DJ? Oh, sorry. Don't worry, Debbie. One day uni will be over, and this will all be a horrible dream you wish you could go back to instead of <laughs> the nine-to-five grind. Oh. <laughs> See, I always thought uni is. I have a diff- I have various analogies when it comes to uni. I always think of uni for one of my analogies as like the girlfriend. So you got your bachelor's degree, and after your bachelor's degree, it's like, hi, hey, baby, we gotta break up. We we have to see new people, and then you got your masters, and that's like saying, hey, baby, let's give this relationship another chance. And then your uh, PhD, that's where you go. Will you marry me, darling? Got the whole game plan sorted out, man. I see. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty weird. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Mm. Yeah, but so how I, are you, DJ? I, I'm good, I'm good. Just uh, whittling away with work and whatnot. Uni work, that is. I will say this, though. Doing uni work during the holidays is never fun. No, are you on a summer semester? Uh, technically, yes, I am on a summer semester. But yeah, it, it feels like an eternal semester at this point with all the COVID craziness and whatnot. I have no idea. Are Brisbane Unis doing in-person lectures? I've heard they're doing on. It's mostly online. That's what I've heard. Fair I've heard enough. Boy. Um, combination of both, basically. Okay. Whatever one works best, I think I was going to choose. All right. Well, we have a lot from the games industry for this week. So, Devi, why don't you take us away and tell us about a little bit of engineering going on? Oh, yeah, engineering, eh? Oh man, mate. What <laughs> great engineering history. Um. So, obviously, everyone knows, a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, well, well, that was weeks, probably a few months ago now, uh, Microsoft bought out all Bethesda. Well, uh, not, not all, well, Bethesda itself they bought, but obviously they bought their glomerate. What's the glomerate name again? Um, Zenimax. Zenimax, thank you. So they bought that out for $3 billion or something. And, uh, no, it was more than that. That was Star Wars. It was $8 billion, wasn't it? I think so. I think it was $8 billion. Look, it was stuff just comes so fast, game industry, you forget fast. 7.5 billion. Okay, we were close. Anyways, the point being in this uh, little recap is this week, only a couple days ago, technically three, uh, Gearbox Software was bought out by THQ, which I find really strange. Obviously, it's 2HQ Nordic, which is basically the, uh, the company that was made after THQ went under as, you know, Transition of hands and rights and things as well. Is Nordic the one that's owned by Deep Silver? Yeah. Um, yes, I believe so. Because that was the partnership to put back together after it all fell apart. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So now that they recently have changed their name though. though they've uh, they're now called uh what's their what's their new name? Embrance Group. 
E M B R A C E R. Embracer. Embracer. Okay, thank you. Dyslexia. Come at me. Jeez. Um, so Embracer Group, which is their new name. I don't know. I, I guess it makes sense. THU does have a very infamous history and name to it. They so, buy a lot of things, though, these days. Yeah. But I think, like, most people still think of them as the crappy developer from the 2000s just made, uh, you know, your uh, third-party license games. Um, Embrace, I thought Embracer was the um, parent company, though. Is it the parent? No, or? formerly known as THU Nordic. Okay. They, uh, they changed their name recently. I think it was, like, last year. And this um, is why it's so hard to find out who owns the copyright on a particular game. Yeah, because people just change the names constantly. Yeah, they change names, get bought out, sell things, trade. Yeah, which I mean right here. So basically, yeah, so they bought a whole Gearbox software for $1.3 billion, uh, And their main goal is to basically push them on a path to make new games. Um, I, I, don't, I think they'll obviously still make Borderlands games. I mean, that's all they really are famous for at the moment. Um, yeah, Gearbox hasn't done well with licensed games recently. No. I mean, the three most famous games they're known for is Borderlands. And the Half-Life expansion packs from the 90s, which is almost 30, you know, 20... Yeah, almost getting close to 30 years ago. Um, yeah. So it's like, when, you, when your big, two biggest hits were from three decades ago, you might have a bit of a problem. Oh, so they're known for the infamous Aliens Colonial Marines. Oh, yeah, that one. So even worse, then, when you're not on your famous games, is actually a joke. Yeah, they haven't... and. They haven't done well in the past decade or two, apart from Borderlands. And Randy Pitchford is known for being a bit of a wacko. When yeah, all the, uh, the, all the stuff that comes out about him, and then, you know, it's like, broke promises as well. You know, as playing for the, 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 the thumb drive found in the car park, you know, mm, yeah, CEO, mm, okay, not the best look, man. Yeah, and the contents of that thumb drive are known for being a bit questionable. So he's sort of got McAfee energy. <laughs> what is it with tech billionaires being absolute nutters? So we've got Elon Musk firing rockets off the space and potentially blowing some aliens up. Randy Pitchford just being Randy Pitchford and dropping thumb drives around with his uh, delinquent stuff on it. Um, you've got Jeff Bezos just sitting in the shadows along with Elon... Uh, not Elon Musk, we've done him. I was just thinking... Uh, Bill Gates. No, this is fun. He's fine. Um, what am I thinking of? Facebook guy. Oh, Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg. You know, just, just there, acting human. Um, and, and, and but then you got the Google CEO just being whatever. And, and then you got Jack Dorsey just uh, looking like a trash heap more and more. Yeah, that, that's about right. <laughs> I mean, at this point, like when you worth when you get like billions and billions of dollars and you're and you're a tech celebrity. Well, Takes a lab at this point. You just want to go. Yeah, you know what? I could do whatever I want. <laughs> I could be a jerk, and nobody can question my my um motives on that. When you have fu money, you can do whatever you like, man. If you if you want to control the stock market by posting memes on Twitter, <laughs> saying that you're gonna genetically engineer cat girls, then go right ahead. <laughs> it it just reminded me of um. Home of Homer Simpson going to the Amish town, and he, and he like dunks ice cream on everywhere. He's like, "Look, Marge, they're not fighting back. I can be a jerk the whole day, and they won't fight. They won't fight back." <laughs> but uh, yes, that's the biggest news come out recently. I guess another small topic we were originally going to do, put in here, was um, 
uh, Microsoft has already made back their money. From Bethesda? From Bethesda, from buying Bethesda out. Yeah. That kind of plays into it. Uh, yeah, the, already done it! Already made all that. Surprisingly $5 billion back. Like, Bethesda hasn't released any new, um, well, a new, full new game. They've done a few DLCs for uh, Fallout 76, but it's not like they've released a new game in a, a year or two. But Microsoft only bought them a few months ago and has already made back their money. <laughs> so, a kind of question is why not just buy everyone out at that point? Well, obviously, illegal, but, you know, control the whole market, man. Microsoft could own the what game industry. What's going to be that's interesting? Scary. What's going to be interesting is who's the next studio that's going to survive. <laughs> uh, I say probably Ubisoft will be bought up or EA because they're two bigger publishers standing still that haven't been bought by someone. Um, what about Blizzard? You reckon Blizzard will survive? Blizzard's already owned by Activision, though. Oh yeah, that's right. I always thought it's, it was act. It was um. It was uh, so Blizzard's they, owned by sort of a partnership. Partnership slash acquirer. It, it, it's sort of like, yeah, but no. But Activision's having their, their blood bleed into Blizzard, so it's more of a takeover. Or oh, Bungie. Bungie's le- Bungie left Activision, if I recall. Yeah, I mean, you got Bungie, EA, Ubisoft, um, Valve. I mean, Valve's fine. They're whatever they like, right? Um, uh, it helps the game already has a few money. <laughs> I guess no, that's the big ones, I think. Obviously, you've got smaller mid-tier publishers, but they're, they're the big ones that comes to mind. I mean, with all these acquisitions and all these stuff, my biggest concern would be: will the quality of the game improve or decrease with these acquisitions? Uh, I don't know. I reckon I'll stay rough to the same part uh, because I don't know. It's hard to tell, really. I think, given how big these companies are, I, rec- I don't expect the quality of games to go down. It's more just going to be shuffling around departments and stuff. Uh, leadership. Yeah, because uh, like remember, uh, because I remember when Dice was really big, and then EA bought them out, and then they made Battle, um, Star Wars Battlefield, oh Battlefront, sorry, and uh, yeah, the the quality went to shit. Like, well, that's because it's EA. Any yeah. EA buys stuff out and they die. Other companies, not really. Um, like this is THQ Nordic, which have been pretty good track record lately, and I mean you can't really break. Gearbox more than they already have broken themselves, so you know, <laughs> I wouldn't expect much to change. If not, probably improve, being to have more funding and uh, backing. Is Randy Pitchford still going to be the head, though? <laughs> That's the question, man. Will the meme still be there? <laughs> nah, I doubt he will. I, I, well, given his uh, given his toxic nature, I doubt it. I mean, in this day, in this current day and age, it, it's all about image management, and Randy Pitchford. Hasn't done well for the. Uh, has done a lot of things to damage the image of um, Gearbox. Yeah, was... someone told that to Eve's Gillimut. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Ubisoft missed the memo that if you have a incredibly toxic workplace culture, you should change it. Wow, really? Huh. I know that was a total shock to me. I never would have thought of that myself without reading some of those business books. <laughs> <laughs> You mean a good workplace environment creates better products? <laughs> You're joking, right? Yeah, but then again, it's, there's always Cyberpunk and how bad that was. <laughs> I, I, I don't... Cyberpunk wasn't really... Okay, well, Studio's fault but in different ways. Not these ways here. The problem with Cyberpunk was... Okay, uh, Cyberpunk's read a primarily 
for their last full side plan, all they've ever made is RPGs. So all the developers and their teams and the higher-ups are very well-versed to developing RPGs and gameplay systems in that sense, right? But Cyberpunk turned into basically a first-person shooter, right? And that's a very different production pipeline to an RPG. So things didn't work out in the end because I had no experience there to making an open-world uh, open uh, first-person shooter sort of styled game. So that's probably the... Also, I've read some of the stuff, like there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff, but the primary reason they just weren't inexperienced in that area. That makes sense? Yeah. Like, it happens to so many studios when you try to make something new which you never had experience before, especially when that's that huge. It's never going to work out correctly. Like, Rockstar is great at making up games. Their mission design is terrible, but they're great at making up old games because they've been making them for like 30 years now, right? So, developers there and the studio knows knows how to make it. They know every step of the process. So I think that's probably, like, why. With um, Gearbox being bought by Nordic, what's going to be interesting is, can you imagine in the next few Saints Row games you see, like, Gearbox characters in, in their games? Oh, wait. So many crossovers. Can we now have a Microsoft version of Smash Brothers? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, anyway, if I recall, PlayStation tried to have a their own version of Smash Brothers at one stage, and that that was an interesting mix. Yeah, it didn't go great. But it does open uh, it does open up a lot of possibilities. I mean, like I said, well, we could see um, Gearbox characters in Saints Row doing cameos. We could maybe see like Saints Row characters in Gearbox games doing cameo, one way or the other. Can we just have a random event in Minecraft now that? Um... Now that Doom is owned by Microsoft, can we just have a random event in Minecraft where you're going through the nether and you just see in the distance Doom guy running through blasting everything? <laughs> so was, just before we finish up on this one, I was reading the articles that we've been talking about today and I saw a little pop-up ad saying Star Wars, uh, Star Wars hints ancient Sith with impacts Disney's new prequel show. Really? Wow! <laughs> but speaking of game companies... And uh, new games on the horizon. There's a certain mod coming back, isn't there? There is, but this time not as a mod as its own thing. I'm sure you guys are aware of Gary's mod, which probably thought, dates yeah. us a bit because well, um, yeah. Gary's mod was the thing for the first half of the 2010s and before then. But um, since then, it's been a lot of other stuff. Roblox, Minecraft, all of that. My, what? Oh. Oh, uh, okay. I was about to say, what, Gary's mod is the basis of Roblox? What? No, it's just that uh, more people, I think, are probably aware of Roblox than they are of Gary's yeah. mod. I get you. I get you say <laughs> Now. I, I thought for a second that you just blew up Debbie Boy's mind. <laughs> yeah, so Face Puncher back. The Gary is back and is making a game called Sandbox. That's spelled S ampersand D. Sorry, no. S ampersand N D. Ah, uh-huh, not confusing. No, that's at still all. not correct. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm messing this up terribly. S ampersand B O X. <laughs> what the? Yeah, I forgot how to spell for a moment there. But anyway, um. <laughs> so, so this one happens. Well, they began working on it in other engines, and finally got a access to Source Two. Woo! Thanks, Valve. You finally got it out, boys. Yeah, so I think this will be the first third-party game on Source 2. Most likely, yeah. 
So have they said what are they going to add in um, for Sandbox? Uh, so far, it looks like it's 90% just Gmod with better performance uh, and a more sensible design. So the most recent post uh, from late January is about working on the API for ragdolls, particles, model data, physics constraints, UI, and hitboxes. And he points out that instead of uh, creating a prop ragdoll entity in Gmod, you can just spawn a model entity and set the model, which from a development perspective is, from what he's describing, a more sensible way to do things. So he's working on, at the moment, just basically porting the Gmod sandbox mode into the game just to see how it works and what they can do. But from what he's describing, it's going to have a... The end game of uh, Sandbox is going to be a greatly improved Gary's mod with better modding and more sensible design for making third-party game modes. I can imagine so many Sandbox videos on coming to YouTube in the next few months. Um, Probably not in the next few months. It seems like he's a long way off actually finishing uh, a release candidate. Oh, so I've just been skimming through this and found some rather colourful language. So you might want to <laughs> keep that in mind if you decide to read the news page. How colourful are we saying here? Like, uh, very colourful? Um, he reminds me of my, uh, <laughs> of a lecturer I had in uni who had very <laughs> colourful descriptions comparing sexual acts to keeping your investors and project managers happy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen a few things that uh, Gary's Mod 2, but aren't made by Gary. But this is the definitive Gary's Mod 2. And he doesn't want it to just be Gary's Mod 2 running on a newer engine. He wants it to be so much more than that, so that players can... Um, Players can mod, build game modes, and a whole bunch of just making things amazing. Because uh, you probably know if you've played enough Gmod, things tend to get pretty wonky. So you're saying this could th this release is consequential to game development as a whole? Not for game dev, but maybe for prototyping. So there's a lot of uh, game modes that you can prototype in Gmod. Um, I've seen a lot of, say, Trouble in Terrorist Town clones. So Gmod ran on Lua. Uh, Sandbox is going to be in C Sharp. He's published a, well, the team has published a bunch of tutorials on uh, and resources on things that are going to be in Sandbox when it comes out. My question is, wh why now? Like, he's making so much money with uh, Gmod. Uh, is he? Probably. Gmod's a one-time purchase. I don't think you really, um, you really come out the end with microtransactions. That's more of a server-side thing. I've seen a lot of servers where people run memberships or model stores. But uh, anyway, so like, why make the sequel? Uh, why make a sequel though when you know that a lot of people are loving Gmod already? Like, okay, let's go back to your girlfriend analogy from earlier. <laughs> All right, boys, here we go what again. If... We are writing dating scripts tonight, so have fun. What if you had a girlfriend, but she could be better? <laughs> you love her love, oh, but she could be you better. Do this, man? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no! 
I mean, okay, yeah, I stand corrected on that part. But like, as I said, I mean, Sandbox is going to Sandbox. It looks like G. You said, as you said, it's going to be G mod, but much better. Well, maybe your girlfriend only speaks Swahili, so you can get things <laughs> done, but it's a pain. So, girlfriend two speaks English. You can communicate <laughs> with her more easily. Things are faster. Things are easier. Girlfriend one is fifteen years old, running on an engine that has yo yo yo. It's fifteen. Hang on here, man. Okay, this uh, is getting yeah, weird. Get <laughs> <laughs> it, it just escalated, everybody. It just careful with your analogies, there, man. Careful, just just be careful. <laughs> I, I see a point. Well, this is the uh, hypothetical girlfriend from a world where that's not an issue because she's not a girlfriend. She's a game. Okay. Still doesn't make it better in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, the original Girlfriend is based on a game from 15 years ago. 16 years ago now, I think. Um, and hasn't had any major engine updates in seven years. Girlfriend 2 is running on a much faster, better engine. You see what you've done, DJ? Yeah. You and your <laughs> stupid analogies. <laughs> Yes, I will be remembered for the stupid analogies if I die. Yeah, so anyway, this is a more modern version of Gmod running on a newer engine that's more capable, more efficient, better optimized. It'll have better graphics, and hopefully you won't have to deal with um, Lua. Would you guys, ever, would you guys be using Gmod uh, 2 uh, in, in, in your next future project, gaming projects? Right now, probably not. But the prototyping is uh, essentially, yeah, essentially. Yeah, I've been deciding recently how I'm going to prototype an idea I have. So it would be nice if I could do it in Gary's in Sandbox using C Sharp, which I already am familiar with. I don't, I don't know how long it'll take for um, Sandbox to come out. So I'll probably stick to something else. But it would be nice to not have to learn a new language. And I look forward to a version of Trouble in Terrorist Town without all the glitches. What do you use uh, Gmod for, DJ? Uh, I use it. I use Gmod to uh, make movies. Why not Source Filmmaker? Yeah, uh, Source Filmmaker has potential, but yeah, it's it. it see, uh, you can't be bothered learning it. it. Yeah, I have the trouble learning it. And plus, after seeing the Hunt Down the Free Man, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go down that path. Well, that's the difference we're talking about. One is a hacked-together bodge job, which all credit to Gary and his team, because it's an incredible bodge job, but there's a lot of bodge in it. And one is a professional, well-designed tool that was put together from the start with a set of very clear goals and has proper tooling so you can work with it. That's why I'm looking forward to Sandbox. So moving along, DJ... You have something about a Metallic Planet Award. Yes, the Golden Globe Awards are upon us. And this is the first mile marker to the Oscars. And... We use metric here. <laughs> well, so what would be the metric equivalent of that, of, of that? I don't know. Because, you know, it's not like we've used milestones since uh, we moved to metric. So... It's not like we have an equivalent. Maybe ask French. 
Uh, so, uh, we've, the uh, Golden Globe nominations have been announced, and there are some interesting uh, nominees. So, for your best movie picture in the drama category, you've got The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Mind you, these are all the movie. Th- these were all the movies um, that have taken place during the 2020 year. During 2020, I wonder if there's some things there that wouldn't have gotten in normally, but did because everything else got pushed. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, so for your so those were the those were the nominees for drama for musical and comedy. You've got the Borat sequel, Hamilton music, Palm Springs, and the Prom. My money. Good choices. Good choices. My, my money's on uh, Borat to win the uh, musical. Borat? Really? Come on, it's Borat. <laughs> it's Borat. But it's not really a musical, is it? It's musical or comedy. They, they've added it. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of those comedies aren't really my thing, so I couldn't really say which is the funniest or the best musical. Uh, I think that if, 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 I've only known that the only two things I've known is basically Hamilton and Borat sequel, so. Yeah, uh, if I were to put if if I were to put my money on it, I would say the Borat sequel because everybody's been everyone loved watching it when it first came out. Although it wasn't as funny as the first one, though. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, as cha- um as for best performance in the motion picture and the drama aspect, uh, Chadwick Boseman's got a posthumous nomination for his performance in the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Seriously, what is with these titles? So uh, this was apparently Chadwick Boseman's um, final film appearance before his uh, um, death during post-production of the movie. But uh, for you got Riz Ahmed, uh, Anthony Hans, J- Gary Oldman, and Taha Rahim. My money's on Chadwick Boseman to win the award. Yep. I'd yeah, say so as well. Reasonable. Hmm. That's the sort of thing they, they're probably going to give him a lot of weight because he died. I mean, it just reminds me of Heath Ledger when he won the uh, posthumous Academy Award for his role in, role as Joker. Uh, for your actress, you've got Ella Davis, Andra Day, Vanessa Kirby, uh, Dormand, and Kerrigan. Uh, plays as Ma Rainey, Black Bottom as Ma Rainey. Oh, sorry, she was in Ma Rainey's Black um, Andra Day, the United States versus Billie Holiday as Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby. Uh, pieces of a woman, Francis, woman in Nomadland, Carrie Martin, woman, Cassie Thomas. Uh, uh, I haven't seen any of these movies. For my, I would say Viola Davis might take it because she's the big name I think of from from here. Um, there is also another interesting uh, award nomination that came out during um, that was announced: the best animated feature films. Uh, the nominees are Debbie's. Debbie's gonna love this. Oh yeah. The Crudes, New A New Age, Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. <laughs> there we have it, Debbie Boy ha- on a high. I already saw it. Um, Cardinal Salim posted on their Facebook that they got it, as well as one of the voice actors got a nomination for the award ceremony. So it's very well deserved. Hopefully, they win, but probably Soul. Probably Soul. I'll say probably Soul. Not that I think Soul's better movie, but because this is how award ceremonies go. But given this Golden Globes, not the Oscars, possibly, possibly. I don't see any other contenders though winning. I, I mean, onward. I've seen Onward, and that was fun. That was a fun movie. The that was fun. 
uh, who, who was in there? Um, it was Tom Holland, Chris Pratt uh, as the as the Band of Brothers. Yeah, that was it. Then there were there was an old star cast. True. I mean, I can't say I've seen the one, so I can't really pay some money on it. Yeah, but I I need to watch Wolf Walk because a lot of people have been telling me, yeah, watch Wolf Walk because it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Watch it, you uncultured swine. <laughs> Soul, I so even though Soul was a um is a pix is a Pixar movie, I've heard that it's the theme is pretty dark. Like it talks about death and the afterlife in a very dark sense. I'm like, ah, okay, that's I haven't seen Disney do that before. Disney Pixar do that before. You haven't seen a Pixar movie about <laughs> life after death before. Ah. Uh, did you completely miss um, okay. Coco? Yeah, I, I I didn't see that one. I missed Coco. Like all fair, Soul's an alright movie, but it, it's what's not perfect. Let's say it definitely has some flaws and not plot holes. Every movie has plot holes. That's the most stupidest argument in history. Just in terms of structure, it doesn't quite work. So you're put, so Debbie boy, you're putting your money on Wolf Walkers. Which one? Are you I'll put money on that. Yep, put money on that. Uh, I know I'll uh, lose all of it, but yeah. Uh, what about you, Professor? Which one? Which which uh award? Who would win the award? I want it to be Wolf Walker because I want to see Debbie Boy happy again. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I honestly, I didn't watch a lot of movies that came out last year. Most of what I saw was older stuff, so I don't have a horse in this race. Fair enough. Um. As much as I want to see Wolf, I want to say Wolf Walkers. I haven't seen it, but I've seen Onward, and that was a good movie. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, I'm putting my money on Onward for now at this point. But yeah, I want to see. I would love to see Wolf Walkers and and uh, see. Watch it. While uh, people pay attention to the movies, a lot more attention to the TV series that gets nominated for the Gold Globes, and this year for drama. You've got Ratched, um, Ozark, The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, and The Crown as best TV. Sorry, what was that last one? The Crown. Well, the only one out of that that I've seen is Ozark, and I'm a season or so behind. But the bits I've seen of Ozark are great. Uh, I'm putting my money on The Mandalorian because, come on, Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars, who can say no to Star Wars? I can. Dang! How about you, Debbie boy? Who do you want to? Who do you want to see win? Mandalorian, probably. Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. The um, the sort of live green screen effect they're using in Mandalorian is a piece of really interesting tech. Like that's a different award, but it is a really interesting piece of tech that they have, where they render the scene in real time as a a live background. But at least there'll be one for the Star Wars series. I mean. Uh, if if the Mandalorian wins it, at least it will buy some goodwill for the from the fans. Going like, yes, Star Wars might come back to being loved again. Uh, as for the special awards, uh, Cecil D. Mill Award, it's it's an honorary award bestowed to honorees who made a significant mark. This year goes to Jane Fonda. Did she die recently? Nah. Okay, I'm just wondering why she came up this year. Uh, it's, a, it's because of her contributions to the film industry. Okay, so uh, just overall. Yeah, just overall. And the Carol Burnett Award, which is an honorary award for outstanding and lasting contributions to TV on and off screen, 
Uh, Norman Lear wins, uh, gets the award. And who's that? He's a producer who produced sitcoms such as uh, The Jeffersons, Good Times, um, All in the Family. So basically sitcoms. Okay. Yeah, and uh, interestingly for this ceremony as well, uh, this is taking place at the end of this month, which is nearly two months later than normal the uh, COVID outbreak and how it's affecting cinema and TV production. But uh, speaking of uh, all things my all things award-winning and microbiological. Uh, we've got an interesting topic about maternal behaviors. No, DJ, no. That was bad. <laughs> that You're still... Even, that's dude. not... Oh, my God, that hurts. Oh, the <laughs> so bad it hurts. Some things never change. <laughs> hey, it could be a running gag. Well, I'm, a, I'm just going to say that. So, uh, Professor, you got a story about uh, microbiota. I do. Have you guys heard in the last few years all the talk about how your gut bacteria might influence your behavior? Yeah, when I get hungry, I get angrier. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but okay, good to know. I'll make sure I keep some snacks on hand when I'm dealing with you in the future. (laughs) So this study has identified a strain of E. coli that affects postnatal growth in mice. Mother mice that have this particular strain of E. coli are better mothers than mice that don't. So the less hungry the uh, mother is, the better behaved the offspring are? No, nothing like that. Okay. It's the mother's behavior affected by the bacteria in her intestines. Ah. So they basically tested it by wiping out the bacteria, the bacterial environment in the mice, and then dosing them with different varieties of E. coli, which is a particularly fun uh, fun bacterium. It gets brought up a lot, including last week or the week before, where we were talking about storing data in DNA. So some particular strains, the mouse pups are malnourished and have reduced milk consumption. Some impair the mother's behavior. So, so the less amount of food you give, you give to a mice, the the worse the 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 worse they behave. No, nothing to do with food. I don't know where you're getting food from. I know, you're just saying milk and stuff. So I'm just thinking no. of food. So, if the mother has particular strains of E. coli, the baby mice drink less milk and have stunted growth, and that's possibly because the um, just because the baby mice drink less, I think um, there must be something changing in the milk that's putting the baby mice off drinking. The other case uh, where a, another strain of E. coli... Sorry, I've mis, uh, misread this. Uh, so correction on that. The mice that are malnourished and drink less are babies infected with E. coli. It's E. coli 016 colon H48. So the baby mice infected with that strain of E. coli drink less milk and thus have stunted growth. The mothers infected with E. coli 016 colon H48 are poor mothers. It impairs their maternal behavior and reduces the amount of, um, of milk that the babies drink in that case as well, presumably because the mother isn't conducive to being, uh, what's the term, suckled? Yeah, yeah, suckled, yeah. yeah. 
I'm really interested in this topic, though, because what else is reliant on your gut bacteria? I saw a theory that autism can be affected by gut bacteria. Does that mean we could have a treatment for that? Um, what yeah, is... Dicey there, man. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a controversial topic to have a treatment for autism. But that's just uh, an extreme example. In less extreme examples, what if having a dose of a particular strain can change your personality? So rather than just curing autism, what if it made you more likely to vote for a different political party? (laughs) So what if your your gut bacteria affect your values? Wow, that that's like that's like some sort of uh that's like Alex Jones territory. <laughs> I can imagine Alex Jones going like they're affecting us with Al- with gut bacteria. That turn on my gut bacteria guy. <laughs> Watch Are out gay now. people gay because of gut bacteria? <sighs> right. There's so much that could be affected and it's all early days, so I'm really excited to see what else comes out of gut bacteria research. I mean, the, pro- the w- when you were saying about the whole um, it could whether it could um h- improve uh, human health, it, there is always the, the there are a couple of variables you have to take you have to take into account, like um whether it's um compatible or not. That that we want, and and you also have to wonder um whether they they have any pre genetically predisposed diseases as well. Yeah. And is it ethical to make these changes? Nah, I, 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 th- this sort of thing is kind of sort of sl- oh, sort of uh, leaning towards the transhumanism aspect. This is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> if they want me to to write for them, give me a call. <laughs> but yeah, um, so it's already known that your diet influences your gut bacteria, which influences your diet. It's a bit of a loop. If you stop eating sugary foods, if you cut sugar entirely out of your diet, um, it's understood that the cravings will subside after a certain time because you are no longer inhabited by sugar-craving bacteria. So you can influence your gut bacteria at home just by changing your diet. Yeah, but that depends on how how long you've been on that sugar diet for. Like If it's like a couple of years and it's it's too hardwired, I don't think so. I think the understanding of it is that uh, you can always make these changes. It will have different levels of effect based on your own personal gut biome, but you're not going to be locked into a particular diet just because you ate a particular way for 10 years. And the same thing happens with vegans. Vegans who have been off meat for a certain period of time will often have stomach problems going back onto meat because their body has adapted and no longer has the correct bacterial colonies to digest meat. Um, there's a whole lot of things you've got bacteria is responsible for. Koalas. Naturally, koalas cannot digest... Um, a baby koala cannot digest eucalyptus leaves. The baby koala must... Uh, this gets gross, but must consume the fecal pap, which... Mm. It eats its mum's poo. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. It eats its mum's poo to get the correct gut biome so that it can further digest its own eucalyptus leaves. So, And that's just influence, influencing your diet. 
here there's evidence that your gut bacteria influences your behavior. I mean, there is some truth to that. I mean, like, let's say, uh, like, a lot of, like if you're eating only a meat-only diet and then all of a sudden you start changing your diet, your behavior st- uh, might change in a, long, in, a, in a weird way. Yeah, so what I want to know, I want to hear more research about this so we can know more about what actually changes in your brain when you change your gut biome. Can it change your personality? Can it change your mood? Can you treat depression or anxiety by changing your diet? I think the, I think the whole changing your diet, uh, whether you can change your diet um, mood and stuff, I think that's that's always been a, a thing. That's always been like, yes. Um, that's thanks. true. You will have a shitty mood if your diet is poor. I've yeah. experienced that myself. When I, oh, this is going to get controversial, but when I went to America, I spent a few, several months in America, no, 11, 12 years ago now. And I swear my personality changed while I was in America eating American food. And it took a few months after I was back before I changed back to how I was. So I think that, I genuinely think that if your um, diet changes, your personality can change. But as I said, it'll have to also depend on other variables for that to happen. But Yeah, there's other variables. It's hard to isolate a particular um, thing. In this case, they, you know, it's a this is a pretty invasive test that they did on these mice. You destroy the mice, the mouse's uh, gut bacteria, and replace it with something else. You can't really do that to humans. People would get very upset. No, uh, oh, unless if you introduce them a placebo, unless if you introduce the placebo effect on them. Well, no, I don't think that would affect it. I think the issue is that we don't understand enough of it yet. It's something that's known to occur and needs more research, but we don't know for sure what affects what what changes. Um, on a more health-related perspective, maybe people who are predisposed to colon cancer have a particular strain of gut bacteria. And but, not to um, mention, this will also this might also bring a whole host of ethical questions as well. Like as I said, with the transhumanism, and there's also the fact that. Okay, which 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 human are we going to select for perfect gut, like for perfect gut health to be, to be inserted into another person? Yeah, um, they already do that. They actually use poo from healthy patients to treat patients with uh, defective gut biomes. Ugh. So occasionally, after you've had a particularly strong course of antibiotics, just like these mice, you will lose your gut biome and it will not recover properly. So you then have to, what they do is they dose you up again to wipe out the imbalanced biome. And then if I'm remembering correctly, make a pill containing the patient's fe- the healthy patient's fecal matter and use that to recolonize your gut. And mm. once it's recolonized with the correct uh, balance of, of uh, bacteria, you, stop having gut issues imagine trying to that's gonna imagine trying to market that to the general public yeah it's a pretty extreme medical thing so it's not um i don't think it's it's not something you market but i can imagine those american style ads ask your doctor if poo pill is right for you 
<laughs> oh, no, no, Side no, no, effects no. may include oh, 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 bad oh, taste. Oh, 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 no, no, you're, doing, you're, you're doing it in the wrong voice. You should do like this. Do you ever wake up in the morning and think to yourself, man, my gut feels bad? Try poo pill. The poo pill that could solve your gut problem. Ask your doctor for, uh, for further advice. If symptoms persist, please consult other medical professions. And then you got to do the fast voice bit. Side effects <laughs> may include bad breath, smelly, uh, uh, bad taste, loss of loss of sexual function, baldness, and every other thing. Suicide. <laughs> Let me get even on the antidepressants. Oh, yeah. Because there's a very small chance that antidepressants could make you more suicidal. It's hilarious in America and the antidepressant ads. They all say side effects may include increased chance of suicide. You were saying, Debbie boy. I only have one. I only have tried doing this commercial. Do you ever feel depressed when waking up in the morning? Sometimes you look yourself in the mirror and wonder, "Who is that terrible son?" Well, fear no more, my friend. Welcome to the new poo pill, recommended <laughs> by auditions around the world that we've paid <laughs> off with our own back and money. Poo pill allows you to no, feel you amazing. Paid them off because that's illegal. You take them out for a nice lunch. <laughs> oh, so sorry. We're going to cut that. Yeah. You paid them a lovely lunch. <laughs> so with the new pill pill, you'll feel amazing every day. Just take us a sip of water and a little wise wee. <laughs> pill pill definitely doesn't have side effects, including mental depression, anxiety, angst, teen aggression, uh, and a million other health side effects. <laughs> pill pill makes life worth living. <laughs> and, 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 then you, and then you ended up with this. Actual results may vary. <laughs> This is why we have no subscribers. <laughs> Hi guys, aren't we great? <laughs> but uh, back back to the gut health bit. I mean, they've done this the whole concept of gut health. It was also in- introduced with the whole Yakult thing, wasn't it? Yeah, Yakult advertises a similar concept, but it's only fairly recently, as I understand it, that. Gut health has been associated with um, mental health and other areas of your health. There's a difference. The difference is that your gut, it's been known for ages that your gut health influences your digestion. Like I mentioned with the vegans who go back to meat and find out that they can't digest it correctly. But we should move along from this. We've been uh, making up terrible ads for a bit too long. Although, just before um, we do, though. If you guys could take a tablet that would change your personality, would you? Oh. <laughs> like, what sort of degree of change would you accept? What about if it would just change your mood? If there was a, a tablet, you know, that you could take in the morning that would make you enthusiastic and feel like going to work, would you take it? I mean, there's, there, there's already a thing that does that. It's called Baraka. Yeah, I don't believe those ads. <laughs> But it's not just that. It's like if you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I've got another day of work. But there was a tablet that you could take in the morning when you wake up or before you go to bed, whatever. Or you might only need to take it once. But it would make you wake up every day feeling like work is so great. <laughs> I love work. Would you take it? You know, I would, I, would, I would like to take it. I would like to take it. What about you, Debbie? Possibly. Depends on its side effects, mainly. Yeah, the concept reminds me of the mood organ from Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it reminds me of that one Doctor Who episode when stuck in, stuck in that, that endless uh, traffic jam. And there's some mood drugs. 
yeah, yeah, where it turns out that everyone died because they were taking a drug to make them all happy. Or um, Firefly. The Seems like science, science fiction as Corey got this covered. And yeah. their answer is it's bad. Oh, so do you count your moods as part of your personality? Is that happening um, something... Like, is you not feeling enthusiastic about work enough of a part of your personality that you won't want to change your... Uh, you don't want a prescription? And then at what point does it come to... You know, Jeff Bezos um, starts offering that on a discount plan for the Amazon workers, so they feel more in- inclined to come to work at the dystopian warehouse. <laughs> I think we've got. I, I think we're getting too too far, too far. It, it, at, at this point, like if Jeff Bezos goes in, this line will come in. Perhaps there are some things man was never meant to tamper with. Yeah, this could be a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> but we are going way too long here. So, what have you been up to this week, DJ? Uh, okay. So, I've seen the new episode of Exa. Hooray! <laughs> Is it still uh, bad? Ah, uh, allow me to illuminate you. <laughs> so, previous episode, we had Discount Major having generic stare-off with, with mech suit operated by Maid. And then a new mech starts to, uh, which looked like discount Appleseed robot, by the way, shows up and looks ominously behind the flames like some sort of Terminator. And then uh, the discount Appleseed robot starts uh, fighting this robot maid. And and who is controlling this Appleseed robot? Take a wild guess. Well, I don't really know any of the characters, so I have no idea. It's the boy. <laughs> the bo- It's the boy. And so the fight, it comes off as like a very jarring experience where they're basically firing machine guns and missiles at each other. And uh, it turns out that this robot is a creation of of, of a company that's working with the police and it's codenamed Ogre. Very subtle, very subtle hints there. And uh, so they're having a wild fight in the middle of the crowded street. And I gotta say, they're fighting in the middle of of a street People are living in the buildings, where, and they're doing this while some bullets are flying away. And I'm thinking the animes are mistaking this for some action-packed movie that made billions of billions of dollars. I wonder what it was. Which one would that be? Because there's a lot of movies that involve fighting on city streets. Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is Pacific Rim, <laughs> but all the people went into bunkers before that battle. I was I, I, I was thinking of something, but I'm I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, so. The UN uh, are watching this fight uh, as the fight was being held in UN territory, and generic UN strong guy, strong guy named I kid you not, Major White Man. And <laughs> 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 uh, 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 he he goes on to say, "No more, Mister Nice Guy." And it's supposed to sound like some big tough guy, but in reality, it sounds like some high school jock um, after losing a game of Call of Duty. So. Discount Appleseed Robot tells the cops to get away and rescue the civilians while while he buys time trying to battle the thing. And the civilians uh, might... Uh, and I'm thinking, what civilians would be alive at this fight that when they're either dead or maimed by the countless number of bullets and missiles launched at them? And so while the cops are running away, Discount Major from Ghost in the Shell tells a big gigantic secret that the Major's arm has not been gone. And it's gone to... It's 
uh, is not completely vanished. It's gone somewhere. And it turns out that they found the Robo Maid's uh, superpower. She basically teleports stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> so generic female anime scientist and generic senior police officer figure out that the portals are in the ocean and, and they lead back to the maid. So the guy so controlling... here's the thing, though. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense to me. But the way you're describing it, I'm not sure it would make any sense even if I did watch it. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it gets even funnier, okay? So... So, so the guy controlling the ogre of the apple seed robot has an idea. Get a drone to, from the, uh, to the ocean and fire a missile at the portal, which will lead back to the maid. Wow, sound thinking there. Wait, that's just the ending of Pacific Room. <laughs> really? With the portals and everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there's a portal to the alien planet that the kaiju are coming through. And yeah. they go down there with a nuke to bomb the portal. Yep. So... And guess who? And the and the one that's piloting the drone, the generic senior police officer who happens to be great at, at gaming. I mean, I'm thinking, how is a how is a good at flying a drone? I mean, bloody hell, it's it's not Call of Duty. Flying a drone in combat active situation is not like flying a drone in Call of Duty. Think of the variables. Uh, it's pretty close. The autopilot handles most of the hard stuff. You just need a human to control it. And tell it where to go. So, so uh, Akira hacks into some hounds and uses them as distraction for Robo Maid to open the portals. Then, then the drone, um, then the drone fires a missile to the at the portal, which damages the robot. And what reveals the robot uh, made me thought I was watching a horror movie. So I had to rewatch it. Yep. And after rewatching it, it really happened. This was in the script. Real functioning adults approved this. And yeah. these are your words, or is this from an article? This is my words. <laughs> so it turns out that the murderous dictator from in the uh, in the previous episode is controlling the maid through an implant via VR. With <laughs> so with uh, it gets even funny. So with this revelation, they if, if you if you call that the maid goes into overdrive. Oh no, who could have thought that? <laughs> so with this maid going overdrive, the team couldn't do much, even with discount apple seed on their side. Naturally, the UN decides to jump in and say, okay, we're going to bomb the shit out of this place. And I was I was thinking, this is like the Avengers with the whole nuking the city. Got Wait a second. <laughs> the, the UN's not exactly meant to throw bombs around, aren't they? No, I get the feeling <laughs> the UN's not the good guys in this one. <laughs> mm. So, uh, they got me thinking, damn, how much clearance did the UN have to napalm an entire city with civilians in it? Uh, about none. <laughs> so, naturally, it's a race against time to stop the bomber, neutralize Robo Maid, and capture the di- dictator. Wow, what nail-biting action. Clearly, they have seen too many Hollywood movies to see what happened. So, discount Robo Maid and... So Discount Appleseed Robot uh, ro- robot and RoboMate continue fighting with Kira saying, I'm putting my best foot forward. <laughs> and it got me thinking, why are you doing this, you absolute drongo? Clearly there are more pressing matters than fighting against a robot with impenetrable armor, and your team are sitting ducks for them to be napalmed. Why are you wasting your time? So Discount Appleseed, Appleseed Robot decides to enact his famous move, Talk No Jitsu. <laughs> Towards Robo Maid saying, the guy is practically dead, and Robo Maid goes, he is alive and she must follow his orders. I mean, that's fair, because robots are meant to follow orders. 
And so they keep talking, and the dialogue gets more and more pretentious, like as if he's trying to virtue signal. And I'm thinking, why are you wasting your time talking to a robot? Since when the when robots are capable of feeling emotion, such as joy, joy well, and sadness, we've already confirmed the bad guy is controlling the robot. So maybe you can talk the bad guy down. But he's directly controlling mine, though. Like she's like, yes, whatever I do, it makes my owner happy. And I'm thinking to myself, like. It's like talking to. It's like asking a tree to cry because it killed people during in a high speed car crash. <laughs> so they continue this pointless chatter, and then he goes into a fever dream of some sort. It starts to go berserk, and it's supposed to be like Goku going all Super Saiyan for the first time. Well, all I could think of was some guy getting all constipated and making a huge dump. So, <laughs> so with the bomber quickly approaching and Robo made not neutralized, discount Super Saiyan. Apple seed robot decides to do, do something so harebrained, you would think it's something out of a Christopher Nolan movie, and it goes like this: hack into the bomber using the vehicle that was supposedly destroyed from a missile. Use the RoboMate's teleporting powers to teleport the dictator's head to, and when that happens, the maid gets the calls the master's name with little or to no emotion. Damage the robot to drag the maid out and yell out like as if he's Goku from Dragon Ball Z. That, okay then. It gets even funnier. So the team witnessing this are, are all shocked and horrified, and it's supposed to be some terrifying power. Well, all I thought was like some guy coming back from a pub after drinking some flaming vodka. <laughs> so discount anime scientists reveal that the discount Super Saiyan Appleseed robot messes up the GPS in its efforts to defeat the Robo Mate. The final is ba- the final is the battle is finally over and Robo Maid is down for the count and Robo Maid in a dying speech is trying to bond with her fallen master but oh no discount Super Saiyan Appleseed robot is about to execute her but oh no discount Ro- Ryoko comes in and saves the day and snaps that snap him out of it what have I seen where have I seen this before nah I'm drawing a blank <laughs> so yeah it's how much more of this is there. Oh, a little bit more. So he snaps out of it, and Robo Mate crawls out to the fallen master and holds his hand. And they're trying to make this some sort of a poignant moment. But all I can think of is the scene in Mission Mission Impossible Three, so poorly acted, where the where Robo Mate dies like some love love struck teenager. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> that's bloody ridiculous. Oh, it it. it... This episode, it just—it's a long, campy episode that made no sense. And even and the addition of Ogre was an, was nice in terms of character design, even though it looked like something out of Appleseed. There were so many idiotic decisions, like the fighting in the middle of a bustling seat, street, UN trying to nuke a place, the police dream looking like gormless crash dress dummies, and Robo made dying like some love love struck teenager. Uh, and then there were so many animation animation mistakes like the heavy emphasis on slow motion and so much smoke in the in the scene and the use of 2d characters oh this is the without a shadow of a doubt what's wrong with 2d characters is it a 3d show it's a 3d show as well (laughs) and are some of the characters 3d some of the character yeah most of the characters (laughs) are 3d because that could be an interesting artistic decision but it doesn't sound like that's what they're going for no and the stupid part about this episode was they're trying to make this like some existential um question like oh is man uh, man a machine 
man going too far with machine and is man playing god with the mach- with while being a machine i'm going oh god blade runner has done this better uh there's nothing original in the uh in the movie and te- television industry nope uh, it's all been done before all you can do is make it different and it doesn't sound like this did it well <laughs> Uh, it's point. It's fun to point and laugh at that thing, and it's without a shadow of a doubt the gift that keeps on giving. I'm still okay. gonna give this zero out of five. And what about you, Devi? Uh, what happened? Now that I'm... that tirade is over, what's this week? Oh, I have a blank here, have I? Ah, <laughs> uh, what did I watch? I watched one movie. It was uh, Cat Returns, the uh, Studio Ghibli one. Have we put Cat Returns? Uh, the uh, well, it's also called the cat repayment, the cat's repayment. But yeah, never heard that one before. Uh, I thought I heard it was cat returns. Anyways, yes. Um, yeah, overall a lot shorter. It felt a lot shorter than most Ghibli film. Yeah, so a lot shorter than most Ghibli films. Um, I mean, its runtime is only an hour fifteen minutes, so that was kind of why. Compared to Princess Mononoke, it was like just two hours long. So it was a very one and done adventure. Uh, it was fun. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite film ever done. It, I think it's what most personal people's opinion is. Like, animation's lovely, but it's sort of just, oh, that was cool. And you never think about it again. What's the, uh, uh, what, what's the synopsis about? Basically, a girl helps a cat, and a cat kingdom wants to repay her, and the king decides wants to marry. Oh, no, the king decides, forces her to basically marry the prince and hijinks and shoes. So well, that's basically. not problematic at all. No, exactly, right? So Obviously, she very does not want that. So basically, Elon Musk's fevered dream. What's no. Elon got to do with this? He, I think he's going on about Elon genetically engineering cat girls, but this is a different thing. Oh. You, you, you tried to make it a connection, it's just a few points off. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, overall, I'd say, yeah, it's all good. I'd say seven. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, five again. Probably three. Yeah, it's okay. It, it's nothing amazing. Like, certainly above what other films, anime films are, but, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, um... Would it be good yeah. if it was made by anyone but Miyazaki? I just think it... is it, <laughs> like, is it a low-quality thing for Miyazaki, but still better than most people's work? That's what I was thinking, yeah, roughly. Like, it, it, it connects the beats, it has beautiful, lovely animation art, but it doesn't make you go, wow, like, uh... The Valley of the Wind or Monoke do, right? There's not that wow moment. It's just like, oh yeah, that's cool. Moving on. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, three out of five, four out of five. Yeah, play if you will. Like, obviously, there's a lot of people I'm guessing they would love the film, but to me, his more spiritual, uh, eco action works kind of speak to you better. If there's one thing about Miyazaki, it's always, uh, um, even though the stories are all, always weird and wonderful, it's the aesthetics that, and the soundtrack that people go back return to. Yes, definitely. But that fact, it does have a nice soundtrack, so that's good. But yeah, that's all I've seen this week. I haven't been doing much. I've been a bit lazy watching media. What have you done, Professor? I've been playing The Return of the Obra Din. It's a, a game by Lucas Pope, and I don't know if anything that I've uh, played by him has been bad. So he's also known for uh, Papers, Please which is probably his most uh, famous game. The second you said that, dun, dun, dun. Glory to our Stotska. <laughs> Stotska. 
Oh, that theme song, man! It, it worms your it worms your way into your mind, and you you never hear of you know about the game for ages, and you just play this, please. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Oberdin is a first person, basically a point and click adventure game style thing. You play as an insurance investigator dispatched to board a ghost ship, and you have to find out what went wrong, what happened to the crew, identify each person's fate, and yeah, piece together the story. Yeah, I've seen stuff on this one, mainly to do with the uh, shader and the artwork. Yeah, the it's got a really interesting shader. It's this lo-fi uh, graphics, so it's all, all first-person 3D, but it runs at quite a low resolution with lots of dithering. And you can, there's an option in the setting. So the graphics are emulating different classic computers. The default is the classic Macintosh palette, and you can choose to switch it with other classic computers, but it's all monochrome. It's an interesting art style. It takes a bit to get into it, and I feel like it sort of covers up that the assets might be low quality. That's sort of the aesthetic that he's going for, so... Um, I like it. I'm not too far into it, but the story so far is interesting. I was pretty impressed where the um yeah, pretty impressed with how the the story builds so far and figuring out who's who. There's you have a time sub time travel watch that allows you to experience a person's last moments. So when you find a corpse, you uh, pull out your watch and walk back and hear their hear what they were saying in their last moments and then you can walk around the scene and identify who was there and work out who you know who's holding the murder weapon who has the um who's just a bystander and there's a team of 60 crew who you're trying to identify who died in various mutinies kraken attacks storms and presumably a bunch of other stuff so i'd give it i think Three out of five. I'm not getting into the story as much as I did to in um, Papers, Please. Yeah, we got the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, really? Because I've been looking into it, and I think it's like, I can't say I've played it, but it looks intriguing. So yeah. what factors, not put you off, but, you know, are making it difficult to engage? So I'm not um, hugely far into it. But I think there's not really any consequences for the player. In Papers, Please, you're always trying to balance your income and you make the tough decisions based on the um, based on what you need and what's best for the community. Like, it absolutely broke my heart. There's this one scene quite early in the game and I think it's okay to spoil it. It's been out for like eight or nine years. But uh, the you have these characters who are prostitutes coming in and they say please don't let the um the club owner crew he's a, a monster he's going to kill us and then he comes in and you're sitting there trying to find something wrong with his paperwork so you can reject him and not get penalized and you have to decide are you going to reject him and not make money to feed your family or are you going to let him through and then the next day you if you let him through you hear in the paper that the prostitutes were murdered. So I think um, it's an interesting story, but it's not a story that you're involved in. 
You're just deciphering the aftermath. I see. So there's no real active involvement. You're more just like the detective. Well, you are the detective going back and cleaning yeah. up the mess in a way. So you're discovering stuff, but you're not having to debate on how to change your future. Yeah. And I think um, that's the Papers, Please was sort of the first one in that genre. But uh, there's been a bunch of other games like that. And I think that's what I was expecting going in. But maybe my opinion will change once I experience more of the story. Because um, the parts I'd seen up until I played were just the first couple of corpses, which are a mutiny. And then you get to the next corpse. And so, you know, the first 20 minutes of gameplay. And then there's a Kraken. And you're like, what the hell? So, oh, what a twist. Yeah. Maybe there's some interesting twists coming up, but we'll see how how it goes. I'm definitely going to get back into it, though, and finish the story. So we'll take a short break for an ad, and then on to the shout-outs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For our first shout-out, on the 31st of January, we have the 24th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. And now with the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake coming out, have you guys tried the remakes? I've been meaning to get oh. to get to that game. And then I, I do watch the uh, odd cutscene or two on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And I did play a bit of the um, start of it, but I've heard that it drags it out a bit too much. Yeah, so, they've added new content to that game. Yeah, like the... Um, I think the first part that they've released is up until the bit where they drop the city on the slums, and that's uh, something like 20 hours of gameplay in the remake, compared to only a handful in the original, so I'm wondering if it's a quality extension or just padding it out for the sake of it. But the the gameplays, like when it came out, the gameplay was like nothing that had been done before, as far as I'm aware. This sort of pseudo turn-based um with uh well the other game said pseudo turn-based too but uh the way it's done in final fantasy 7 is quite different to the previous final fantasy games and on the same day we have the 25th anniversary since the last episode of the original dragon ball z or dragon ball z as we should say it because we speak english but um (laughs) i've only ever heard of dragon ball z so my brain doesn't catch that normally my brain would catch that but yeah so that is 291 episodes of Dragon Ball Z. I think it was it uh, 40% of that is filler. Anime is awful for filler. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, TV shows, American TV shows, like a filler, a filler would be like one or two episodes. Anime, it's just like 15 or 16. Well, yeah, it helps that anime is like 50 episodes a season. Yeah. Do you guys think uh, Dragon Ball still holds up? Uh, holds up in... in I've never seen it, really. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I've never really watched it. But Hold is on. it still worth watching today? Do you think it's a worthwhile one? Like, I'd say Final Fantasy VII 
you can go back and play the original and it's still worth it for it's, the it's, story. Dragon Ball Z, it, it's if you like the if if you just like mindless action, um, explosions and the blood and uh, a bunch and, of screaming guys. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, but even with that, like there is, it's always the journey of Goku. Like he, like all the other, like super villains will always go like, "Yes, I have this magnificent power," and Goku would just be like, "Yes, I am going to train my ass off just to get, just to get that powerful." Like it's always the the hero's journey, and it, that that what that's what made Dragon Ball Z watchable, even with all the screaming and whatnot. Okay, is it? Better or worse than Dragon Ball Abridged? Because if um someone wanted to watch Sword Art Online, I'd recommend they watch Abridged over the original. I've never seen... Okay, in full disclosure, I've never seen the Abridged series of any kind. Like, Hels- I've, I've heard of the titles, like Helsing Abridged, Sword Art Abridged and stuff, but I've never seen them by itself. Okay. So, I can't really answer that question, but I will say, like... If you like the '90s nostalgia, and if you like the whole um, fighting anime, and you want something to tune out and don't really need much thinking, then yeah, Dragon Ball Z is a series to check out. Okay, but well, don't watch GT. <laughs> don't watch GT. Oh, GT was terrible. Interesting, because um, in the original Japanese broadcast, the final episode of Dragon Ball Z had a trailer for GT, but that wasn't included when they uh, broadcast in America. And we have another anniversary of a classic 90s thing, id Software, famously known for uh, Wolfenstein, Doom, and Quake, and something that seems a bit out of place in all those hyper-violent games, Commander Keen. If I recall, they recently came out with a mobile game of of that title. On to our remembrances, on the 1st of February 1940, we have Philip Francis Nolan, creator of Buck Rogers. Buck first appeared in the 1928 novella Armageddon 2419 AD as Anthony Rogers. A comic strip ran from 1929 until 1967, with spin-offs including a radio series Buck Rogers in the 25th century, a 1939 movie, and a 1979 television series. So Buck was born in 1898, was a veteran of World War I, and in 1927 was working for the American Radioactive Gas Corporation, investigating unusual phenomena in abandoned coal mines. While investigating the lower levels of a mine, he's trapped by a cave-in and goes into suspended animation due to exposure to the radioactive gas. <laughs> he's Where have I heard before. that one before? <laughs> suspended animation due to gas? Well, it's a, a common thing for a time travel character to be brought out of um you know brought forwards in time due to some accident he spent 492 years in suspended animation before being awoken for the first story philip nolan died of a stroke at 51 in bala this is going to be rough because this is a welsh name bala sinwood in pennsylvania and the welsh people probably say it a different way but i don't speak welsh interesting fact uh uh so do you guys remember the parody version of this um of this though? Uh would that be Flash Gordon? Nah. Duck Dodgers in the twenty-fourth and a half century. I can't say I've ever heard of that. Who? Um, what? Do you guys ever remember Duck Dodgers? Who? No. no. 
It's a, it was a Warner Brothers thing. Uh, Daffy Duck as Duck Dodgers, the hero. Okay. How old is this? This was 1950. 1950s. Okay, so you're probably the closest in age to that out of all of us. <laughs> that would be why the rest of us don't remember. For our famous birthdays on the 1st of February, 1870, we have Eric Adolf von Willebrand. <laughs> I wanted to say Wildebrand, which I think is a different name. He was a Finnish physician who made major contributions to hematology. He has the von Willebrand disease and von Willebrand factor named after him. He also researched metabolism, obesity, and gout, and was one of the first phys Finnish physicians to use insulin to treat diabetic coma. In 1924, he was consulted about a young girl with a bleeding disorder, describing it in 1926 and distinguishing it from haemophilia. This is the disease that became known as von Willebrand disease. It was later discovered to be a deficiency of a protein, now known as the von Willebrand factor, that enables hemostasis. In 1907, he took up position of chief physician at a hospital in Helsinki. He published a study regarding heart valve conditions based on data from over 10,000 autopsies. Oh. From 1867 to 1916, yeah, and was a pioneer in the use of insulin. Yeah. Like, I was going to ask, do you reckon he did them all by himself? But they started before he was born, so no, probably not. In 1994, he was commemorated with a stamp issued by the Arland Islands, including a pair commemorating Eric Joppes, known for his pioneering work on heparin, which I'm guessing is a blood thinner? He was born uh, in Vasa, the Grand Duchy of Finland, Russian Empire. Yeah, Haprin's a blood, uh, blood dinner, yeah. Um, okay, for the events of interest, on the 1st of February 2003, we have the disintegration of the Space Shuttle Columbia. During re-entry of mission STS-107, the Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrated, killing all seven astronauts aboard. This was the second fateful, fatal accident in the shuttle program, after the 1986 breakup of Columbia. During the launch of STS-107, sorry, the break, eight, 1986 breakup of Challenger, which is, uh, I think, in the public eye, has a much, is much more known. But um, Columbia, on its 28th mission, STS-107, collided with a piece of foam insulation from its external tank during takeoff. Similar foam shedding had occurred previously, causing damage from minor to nearly catastrophic, but the engineers suspected damage was more serious. Before re-entry, they limited the NASA managers limited the investigation because there was no way the crew could have fixed the issue if it had been confirmed. And this is actually the mission that led to having a second uh, shuttle ready to go, or almost ready to go, before you launch one shuttle, just in case it fails in this kind of way and you need to send someone up to rescue the crew. Because there was no way to get anyone into space to rescue Columbia. So the damage occurred to the ceramic thermal plates, the heat shield, and allowed hot atmospheric gases to penetrate the shield and destroy the internal structure, leading to the shuttle breaking apart. That was a tragic moment. Yeah. So after this, they began the program of keeping a rescue mission ready, um, added an inspection in orbit to ensure that the protection system hadn't been damaged and further missions were flown only to the ISS so apart from one to repair the Hubble telescope so that in case the orbiter was damaged the crew could could hunker down on the ISS until the rescue could arrive 
It must have been tragic being in the um, NASA crew and realizing there's nothing you can do and that you have to basically tell them just to try it and see. They said this was um, this 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 was second worse than uh, Challenger. Sorry, can you say that again? They said this this event was as bad as the Challenger launch. Yeah, it, they both involved um, seven people dying because NASA management failed to plan. Frankly, um, NASA could have prevented both Challenger and Columbia. It could have prevented Columbia if they'd either addressed the issue with the foam flaking off and causing damage, or if they'd gone to the trouble of having a rescue mission ready like they did later. They could have prevented Challenger by listening to the engineers who said, we can't launch in these conditions because the O-rings are going to be too brittle. But unfortunately, safety regulations are written in blood. And that's a bit depressing, so hopefully on a lighter note, on the 1st of February 1970, the movie Horror of the Blood Monsters was released. How original the title. Yeah. This is uh, made up of newly shot footage and clips from a Filipino movie, Tigani, 1 million BC, an unknown island. It starred John Carradine and Robert Dix, and the plot is that in the near future of an intergalactic vampire plague threatening Earth, an expedition is sent to a distant galaxy in hopes of discovering the plague source. Landing on the planet, they discover that, that spectrum radiation, whatever that means, that's not, that's not science, mate, has turned the atmosphere into a one-color tint, which I'm assuming is the excuse for the old footage being black and white. Sort of like an inverse Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Exploring further, they discover living dinosaurs, a race of vampire cavemen, and other strange creatures. Vampire cavemen! Wow! <laughs> the director Al Adamson loved the film Tagani so much that he bought the rights himself so that he could make this movie. <laughs> Talk about dedication! Yeah, so that's all we have for you tonight. But you can find us on that'snotcanon.com where you can also find the newest member of the That's Not Canon family, Paranormal Sun. Paranormal Sun is a podcast about, uh, sorry, it's The Paranormal Sun, hosted by JT and features all topics paranormal, 14, mysterious, strange, and unexplained from the viewpoint of a lifelong seeker of knowledge. Each week, JT presents the research and information he has gathered and leaves the verdict up to you. So DJ, do you have anything to add? Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify, among other audio listening um, platforms. Well, that's all we have. So look after yourself, stay hydrated, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.